0: You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Welcome to uh, Modern Romance Part 2. Last week, we talked about this idea of the main character myth that we're all uh, to, prone to viewing ourselves as the main character in our stories. And oftentimes we engage relationships in a way that says, hey, it's really about me. And so I'm, I'm trying to get someone in my life who's oriented toward making my life better and, uh, and fulfilling all of my needs. And, and the main character myth busting that is all about saying, uh, actually, relationships are better and healthier and more life-giving when we approach them with a servant-oriented attitude to say, hey, I'm here to serve you, to love you, I'm going to be the one that gives and sacrifices for your good. And that's a a profoundly different way to view relationships. And it's really modeled after Jesus and how he loves us. Uh, Today, we want to take it a step further and get into the topics of marriage and dating and and singleness uh, and what that looks like for God's people, for Christians, uh, really just what that might look like in our world today and how we can approach that differently. Um, So... I personally, I've been out of the dating game for a while now, uh, but when I was dating back in, in college, back in high school, uh, I've been married now for eight years, have three three wonderful kids, but when I was dating, it was kind of a mess. Like, let's be honest, I don't know if it's any better now, but it seems like it's not. Uh, dating can be rough, like people are breaking hearts left and right. It's just not a lot of fun sometimes. Um, it's a lot of fun in the process, but then oftentimes relationships end Uh, But no matter how rough it is out there, it's probably a little bit better than this. Check it out.
1: Hi, I'm Lyle. I work at IBM and I'm looking for a lovely lady. My best qualities uh, would probably be my beard. Um, I get a lot of compliments on it. You know, like People are like, hey, you look just like Kenny Loggins. Or uh, Eddie Rabbit. And I do love a rainy night. I'm a big boater. Uh, I just bought a boat. But the most romantic thing I've ever done was uh, I took a coworker, Celeste, out on my boat. And uh, I have a microwave, so I made us some brie. Uh, we sat and drank Chablis and listened to Christopher Cross and gave each other massages. What makes me sexy is probably uh, my, my singing voice. I get a lot of compliments on it, and uh, a lot of people, I mean, it's not that. It, you don't know me, but I'm your brother. Live hell. Ladies, here's why you should date me. I'm financially stable. I love adventures. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Michael Jackson. And I want to take you on a wonderful, tour of the world and I'll be your guide. I have a boat.
0: Oh man, that video kills me. It's so, so funny. But hey, let's be honest, ladies, at least he has a boat, right? Boats are pretty cool. Um, Now we're talking about dating and marriage at church. And I don't know how that lands for you or how you come into this space. Um, and and if we're talking about dating and marriage at church, um, you may be hoping that I give you you know, five love languages and and tips for how to love one another and how to have a godly marriage and a godly dating relationship. And uh, maybe you came in here scoping and hoping. You're like, this is my chance. They're talking about dating at church. I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to impress them with all the notes I took on this sermon and show them how much I, I know about how to have a godly relationship and I'm sorry to disappoint you but really tonight I'm going to focus mainly not on dating and marriage but on singleness or at least how singleness and a proper view of singleness transforms the way you view dating and marriage and and, and gives you a better lens for how you view dating and marriage uh, and what God has designed this to look like. So I get the desire to want to talk about marriage. Our culture, despite all of our dysfunction, really is pretty obsessed with marriage still. Uh, even though we're trying to redefine it, even though we're kind of dismantling it, even though we have a 50% divorce rate and we, we kind of aren't very good at it and we're kind of dysfunctional when it comes to dating and marriage, we're still pretty obsessed with it. We want to get married. All of us are looking for that someone that we believe will, will kind of complete us. Uh, and, and we hope that we can find that perfect person, and then we get married. And surprise, surprise, uh, it doesn't complete us. They don't. There is no perfect person out there. There is no one. And marriage is actually kind of a lot of work, and it's it's kind of hard sometimes. Uh, and the perfect marriage, our fairy tale dreams, often don't pan out. Eddie Cantor, he says this this hilarious quote. He says, "Marriage is an attempt to solve problems together." which you didn't even know you had when you were on your own. (laughs) So you get married and all of a sudden the other person starts pointing out all your flaws and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a mess. I didn't even know I had all these issues. Now I have this person who's really just a mirror to show me what my issues are. And now I have to solve it with them and I have to figure out how to stop hurting them with my issues. Um, So others of you, maybe you're not obsessed with marriage or idolizing marriage, but you're running for marriage. Maybe you're like, I love singleness. I love the freedom. I love the time. I don't want anything to do with marriage because maybe you grew up in a home where your parents were divorced and, and you've only seen marriage go bad. And, and maybe that's that's where you're at tonight and you'd say, I, I, don't, I don't I want to stay far away from marriage. I don't want anything to do with that because I've only seen it go bad. So there's kind of these two ditches that we can fall into with marriage. Um, that either marriage is bad, as you can see in this graphic, marriage is bad. Or marriage is ultimate. It's the thing you're striving after. You, you feel this sense that you'll be more complete as a person if you can find someone and be married and have that picture-perfect Instagram wedding that everyone's looking for, right? Um, or, it, on the other hand, maybe this is how you view singleness, that singleness is bad. There's another trap we can fall into. That if you're not married, you, you say, man, I don't, I don't want to be single another day if I don't have to. I, I really don't want to be single. Uh, on the other hand, again, you might say freedom is ultimate. Like my life and self-indulging and being doing what is good for me and sleeping with whoever I want and dating whoever I want, that's, that's the good life. I want freedom. Either way, those are, are ditches that we can fall into. And I think Jesus offers us a third way, as He typically does, right? He always has a third way for us. And so that's what I want to get into tonight, is a, a way for us to see jesus third way around dating around marriage sorry really about uh, jesus third way around singleness and how that informs our view of dating and marriage and here's the secret here's why jesus view of singleness is so important are you ready for the secret married you will have the same issues as single you married you will have the same issues as single you so, if you don't know what, what God's vision for your life is in singleness, getting married ain't going to fix it. Getting married ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to make you the person that you you dream about becoming when you get married. What if I told you that in order to thrive in dating and marriage, you have to understand God's vision for singleness? Because none of us are married without first being single, right? And if you're a hot mess when you're single, dating and marriage is not going to fix you. So. Where do we start with this we're gonna we're gonna be in chapter 19 of matthew so matthew chapter 19 you can go there in your bibles you can open them up and and follow along with me it'll be uh there'll be text on the screen as well um but we're gonna look at verses 3 through 12 and see what jesus has to say about marriage first as his disciples ask some questions and then he flips the script on him and he talks about uh really what singleness looked like in his culture and what it means for us today So verse three, it says this, some Pharisees came to him, that's Jesus, to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason, uh, for any and every reason? And Jesus replies, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Then the disciples said to him if this is the situation between a husband and wife it's better not to marry all right so right here the jesus is unpacking uh, a way in which the pharisees and the, the jewish leaders of the time the jewish people of the time had twisted god's original design for marriage and and really uh had had written in all these traditions that allowed people uh, allowed men to divorce their wives for any reason right so jesus um, the historical view was, uh, that Jesus held from the beginning of time was that marriage is meant to be a union between a man and a woman, because God made us humans, male and female. And this is considered, in our day, radical and old-fashioned, right? Uh, maybe even bigoted. I don't know how you view that, um, but that can be the challenge to the cr- traditional Christian view of marriage. It might surprise you that this Christian view of marriage, that Jesus' view of marriage, was actually challenging in his day too. Again, the Jewish leaders had uh, had twisted the original design and they'd gotten to a place where uh, they viewed, th- they allowed men to really treat women uh, pretty poorly and treat them more like property than people, that they could divorce their wives whenever they wanted or for whatever reason. So, your wife burns the dinner, divorce. Your wife gets old and isn't attractive anymore, divorce. Uh, your wife uh maybe is sick and becomes a burden on you divorce marry someone else this was the norm of the time and Jesus comes and says man you've got it all wrong that's not how it is so both uh, the Greek culture at the time and the Jewish culture at the time that Jesus lived would have had a very low view of women and a pretty distorted view of marriage in the way that God intended it so what is Jesus view of marriage it's one man and one woman who are different but equal it's becoming one flesh, creating a new family, and it's committed, and, and they're committed for life. So only divorce in the case of adultery. And Jesus' disciples hear this and they go, no way, Jesus, that's, that's just too hard. If, if that's the standard then for, for married life, then I don't want to do that. That's way too much to ask of us. And Jesus hears this, hears this response to to his standard for what married life looks like. And he says, okay, let me tell you another thing that you guys have twisted. Uh, Let me me tell you something even harder about your culture and how you view uh, relationships. And he says this in verse 11, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Verse 12, for there are eunuchs who are born that way. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven the one who can accept this should accept it okay so here's where we connect you're like whoa whoa, jesus why did we just start talking about eunuchs all of a sudden i don't even know what a eunuch is um this is this is how we get here so uh eunuchs were those in in that culture who had uh had been chosen to play a specific role in society, they'd had their genitals mutilated basically, um, typically they're men, um, and they were meant to play a, a role in the Greco-Roman culture where they would serve the royal household, to serve the king, and, uh, and the reason they had that, that done to their, to their bodies was that they could no longer be seen as any, in any kind of way as a threat to the throne. They couldn't uh, take the throne and bear children with the, the queen, they couldn't take over the bloodline. Uh, really, really barbaric uh, way of operating in the world. So some, Jesus says some people are made that way by others. Some people have uh, non, uh, they don't have either male or female genitalia. They're born that way. And other, uh, other people choose to live that way for the sake of the kingdom. So what he's saying is that, um, that some people are made that way. Some people are born that way. Some people uh, choose to live like a eunuch. And here's why this is significant. Virtually everyone in this culture in Jesus' time was married. If you were an adult and you weren't married, it was socially taboo. It was weird. They, there was a, some reason why you weren't married. You likely were a eunuch, um, or you likely had some other, uh, some other disability or something that made you undesirable in that culture to be married. And the reason this is significant is that the Jewish view at the time uh, was that getting married, having children, and owning land was the way by which you fulfilled your, your duty as a Jew, the way by which you received God's blessing and you fulfilled the vi- their vision of, culturally of the good life. And, uh, and God had bestowed a blessing upon the Jewish people that was uh, lived out by being married, having lots of children, and, and owning land and building wealth and leaving a legacy. So, eunuchs, they were uh, whether by, by being born that way or being made that way, they were excluded from the Jewish view of the good life, right? The Greek view was, was similar, that you would be able to advance the patriarchy by having children, that you would uh, accrue wealth and, and honor through um, th- and build influence. That was the Greek view. So, if this is what the good life looks like in Jesus' time, that you, you perpetuate a family, you own land, you have all these blessings, you seize these blessings, then obviously if you're a eunuch, you can't, you can't have the good life. You're excluded. And so I, I think what Jesus is saying here is that, um, that there are people who have been outcast from the good life, and yet uh, in my kingdom, Jesus says, there are those who might even choose to live like eunuchs, that they weren't even made that way. They don't have to live that way, but they might choose that way for the sake of the kingdom. And so he's blowing apart their preconceptions and their categories of what it means to live a good life what it means to receive blessing what it means to be approved of by God and he's saying there are people who choose the way of the kingdom and it looks like living like a eunuch okay so what uh, i think that this is relevant for us because in our culture today again we're still fairly obsessed with marriage and and i think so much of our imagery of what the good life looks like is tied to the American dream, and to marriage. And so Jesus is challenging us as well in this. So I want you to take a minute and just talk real quick with your neighbor about what constitutes the good life in American culture. When do you know that you've made it? Okay, so turn to your neighbor and tell them what you think the good life looks like today. All right. All right. So I'm assuming that you guys, you guys chatted and you said something like marriage. You said something like money. You said something about, you know, having a relationship or having a house or having kids, whatever it is for you. There's probably a whole spectrum of things that you'd say, make up the good life. But I'd really, I'd bet almost anything that singleness is not on the list, (laughs) that living a single life uh, is not on the list. And so most of us, especially in the church, feel some sense of, of being an outcast or being looked down upon if we're single, especially the later we get in our life. Maybe you're in your early 20s or you're not even in your 20s yet, and you would say, uh, I don't really have any problems with being single. But talk to someone in their 30s who's still single. Talk, talk to someone late in their 20s who all their friends have gotten married, and you're going to hear a tension uh, especially in Christian circles, around being single. There's this rush to get married and there's this social pressure to seize that American picture of the good life. And again, God's design for most of us is to be married. But there's, there's, there's a stigma to be able to run out of singleness as fast as possible. And Jesus says, look, there's a, there's a way to view singleness that's, that's so much better than what our culture typically views it as. Um... So again, he says some people are born eunuchs, some people are made eunuchs, some people choose to live like a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. Some people choose to live a single life for the sake of the kingdom, even to the point of foregoing marriage and kids for life to serve God. I think of people like Mother Teresa and other saints throughout history. Um, I think of uh, missionaries like um, Henry Martin, who, who went and, and translated, uh, translated the Bible from um, in, in India into three other languages, and now you might have, uh, since the time he died at 27 as a missionary, until now there might be billions of people who have met Jesus because he translated the Bible into their language. Um, so, there are people who choose to give their life to live the way of the kingdom and be single. Jesus himself was single, and he was the most complete and perfect human that ever lived. He also never had sex. So what Jesus' life teaches is that neither a romantic relationship nor sex makes you a more complete person, a more whole person. Some of you might need to hear that again. Neither a romantic relationship nor sex makes you a more whole or complete person. Okay? So our culture makes you, wants you to believe that lie. And somehow you'll be more whole if you can achieve those relational goals paul uh the the maybe the most prolific person in christian history to to spread the gospel and bring about uh church history was was single as a missionary um and i get it singleness can be hard again it's it's not looked upon very very well and especially in the church and being single in your 20s can be hard when when all of your peers are out there who I maybe mean, don't know follow Jesus, are out there indulging in their singleness. They're having sex with whoever they want. And, and you're at church trying to figure out how to love God and honor God and, and uh, have healthy relationships. Uh, and you're having to deny yourself a lot, right? Being single can be really hard. But God is honored by that vision of singleness. And not only that, but Jesus, again, is calling us to an even bigger picture, an even better picture of singleness as an opportunity to serve God and see the kingdom move forward. John Tyson, he's a pastor in New York City, he points out that single adults have more freedom and time than anybody else on planet earth. You have more, he says uh, in a kind of a funny way, you have more freedom than a child, right? Uh, my children uh, don't have as much freedom as I do, right? I tell them no a lot, right? They can't have all the sugar they want. They can't watch all the Netflix they want. Um, they would literally watch Netflix and eat snacks all day long if I let them. So they don't have as much freedom as you do as a single adult. Uh, and, but they have a lot of time. They have a lot of free time. Um, married people like myself don't have a lot of free time. You get married, you have kids. It's like a black hole of time and energy and you can't get it back. And it just sucks out all the energy and time you have. Uh, and you are uh, you're left with a little bit of scraps that you have to somehow work together for hobbies and things like that and working out it's it's there's not a lot of time Uh, so you have as a single adult more freedom and more time than anyone else and so what are you doing with that time and freedom I think that's the challenge Jesus has for us he says look if you're single some people in their in his culture it was a very intentional choice to be single if you were, again, if you were single, it was probably because something bad in your life. But Jesus is saying, look, I've, I've made this choice. Others are going to make this choice. My followers really consider what they can do with their singleness. They consider the freedom and time they have to leverage for the kingdom. And some people are gonna make the choice to live like a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. So here's my challenge to you. Don't be obsessed with getting married i think if you have a vision of marriage that is just overlooking singleness if you have a vision of dating as a christian that's just overlooking singleness so it's some, as something you can uh, get through as fast as possible that you can skip over you're missing out on a huge opportunity for god to work in you and through you and this is something that i this is an area of my life that i have regrets in I mean, I, from first grade on, I had a girlfriend every year. I was always trying to accelerate through life and get to this stage of life where I could be married. I just wanted to love someone. I wanted to find my identity and worth in them loving me back and me being useful to them and helpful to them. Don't I, I, I so regret not taking advantage of a single season in my life, uh, a season of singleness, to be able to leverage everything for the gospel. Don't. Uh, be so obsessed with marriage, thinking that it'll complete you, uh, that you miss out on the chance to learn how to love Jesus deeply, uh, to become the kind of person and be transformed by Him that that ultimately you're going to want to be the kind of person your future spouse wants. And and that kind of person is going to be transformed. And transformation takes work. It takes time. It takes devotion to Jesus. So here's the deal, marriage, in Jesus' view, is not the marker of God's blessing on your life. It's part of his design, it's a beautiful thing. Most of us will experience it in our lifetime. But the bigger picture here is that singleness isn't a purgatory to be endured until you can get to marriage. It's an opportunity to leverage your time and freedom to make an impact on the world and pursue Jesus like no other time in your life. Marriage is a good and beautiful gift, but it's not the ultimate thing. Jesus has a picture of people in his kingdom where they're not married at all, and they're still completely whole, completely uh, mature, and they get to experience a freedom and and a time availability that he gets to use for his, his purposes in the world. Now, if you desire to be married, not a bad desire, but put it in its proper place. Surrender it to Jesus and ask Him what you can be doing until that time comes. Until you're married, aim your entire life at knowing Jesus more and doing what He says. Nothing else will prepare you better for marriage. No marriage books out there. I I read all the marriage books. I was trying so hard to get married. When I got married and my wife and I started fighting and having uh, relational tension, um, I didn't reference those books. What I began to look at was my life before I was married and realizing I had all these immaturities that Jesus never got to work on because I was so focused on trying to get married and reading marriage books. So the best thing you can do for your future marriage is to fully devote yourself to Jesus in your singleness, to allow him to work in you and through you. The good life doesn't come through marriage and family like our culture would tell you. The world would tell you that even after you give your life to Jesus, you need marriage and family to be whole, and that's just not true. Jesus is better than dating and marriage. In fact, devoting yourself to Jesus and seeking his kingdom in your singleness is the best thing you can do for your marriage. Have I said that enough? I think that's like five times now. I really want you to get that. That's the best thing you can do for your future marriage. The good life comes through Jesus and our connection to him, not marriage in our culture so what should you do then how should you put this into practice I have three things for you number one devote yourself to God completely just if you haven't already have a moment with Jesus where you where you say Jesus I want I want you to strip away every idol every obsession everything in my heart that I look to for a purpose identity value wholeness I want to strip that all away and only receive you and your vision for my life Jesus That's that's what devotion to God looks like. And then figure out how that looks in your calendar. How do you actually spend your time seeking Him in His Word, in prayer, uh, looking for opportunities to obey Him? And that brings me to the second thing, is seek the kingdom. So devote yourself to God and seek the kingdom. Love and serve others, right? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all these other things, including marriage, will be added to you in good time, in His timing, in His will. Seek first the kingdom and ask Jesus often, what Lord, what can I be doing to serve you? What can I be doing to serve others and love others with my time and, my, and the things that, that you made available to me? And lastly, live integrated, not isolated. So uh, what this means is that being single doesn't mean you have to be alone. The, the beautiful thing about the church is that God gives us a spiritual family. So you don't have to wait around until marriage and kids to feel like you have a place to belong a place to connect, a place to be deeply and intimately known, that, that you can build friendships with people in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, where they really, really know you. And, and you can experience an intimacy with them that is uh, just about as intimate as as in the kind you see in marriage. Um, so don't wait around thinking, I have, to, I have to be alone, I have to be isolated. Be integrated, not isolated, in the kingdom and in God's family. So uh, again, I... As I started thinking about this, I didn't realize how passionate I would be about this. And again, that f- comes out of this, this feeling of regret. Uh, I don't regret marrying my wife. I love my wife. I don't regret having my kids. I love my kids. I regret that before I met them, before I met my wife, before we had a family, that I wasn't more intentional to just uh, really dig up the root idol of marriage in my heart and to say, Lord, I, I, want, I know you want this for me someday, or I hope you want this for me someday. But I'm not going to waste my time as a single person trying to move from dating relationship to dating relationship. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to make the primary thing in my life being transformed and used by Jesus. So that when I do get married, man, I'm a more whole, secure, Christ-like person. That's my hope for you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you uh, that you were single. Thank you that you give us a vision of what life can look like without... Uh, without feeling the need to be completed by another person, or believing the lie that we can be completed by another broken person. Jesus, thank you that you want to deal with our brokenness uh, even before we get married. You want to transform us and use us for your kingdom. Thank you that there's uh, examples throughout church history of men and women who have said, I'm going to choose to live like a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to choose to to live a single life for the sake of the kingdom. And that may not be for everyone. Most of us will get married. But Jesus, in in the time between now and when we do get married, um, God, would you just help us to leverage everything we have to be transformed by you, to be used by you, uh, to love other people, and to really seek the kingdom and obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.